Hey everybody, Clinton here with a quick note before we begin. Uh, if you were not aware, this is going to be a super long episode of this show because this is two segments strung together. I'm just having fun chats with everybody, not really cutting a lot of stuff out, so it's just going to flow as it should, like any good holiday chat. So, stick around, listen to some fun stuff. And I will catch you at the end. Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I am your host, Clinton Robison, and it's holiday season. And of course, you know, holiday season means we talk about some holiday stories. Right, right. Everybody loves holiday stories. But I'm not going to talk about it alone. Not this time, not for the next few times. I'm going to have some, uh, you know, rotating guests in and out here, and this time around, I'm joined by the, well, I won't say the best married podcasting team, because, I mean, that that I don't rank podcasting teams, married or otherwise, but I will say I will have probably the best D&D party here, my good friends, Jonathan and Maggie Schaefer-Hames. Yay! Hi, Clinton! Hello, are you muted? Oh, sorry. Hi, Clinton. We are not <laughs> muted and we're here. Thank you for that introduction. And your character will get extra XP next session as discussed. <laughs> See, folks, this is why you podcast with your DM. With your DM. <laughs> <laughs> I see how this works. How's it going, Clinton? I'm doing well. How are you two? Doing all right. Doing all right. It's... it's- the it's, holidays. It's colder and darker earlier, and that's not fun. But the holidays are nice. Yes. Well, and you know, when people think of the holidays, they think of up north, and who's more up north than you except for Canada? Canada. Yeah. <laughs> we are about as far north as you can get. Well, one of the places you can go. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, folks, I've invited John and Maggie on to talk about the first little story in this anthology, Zounds O Silence, which, yeah, uh, that that's just an interesting title in and of itself, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Snicked. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, the whole time I was just thinking of... <laughs> snick, snick, bub. Yeah. Okay, so this is a Wolverine story written by Larry Hama, pencils by Michael Golden, inks by Michael Golden, colors by Michael Golden. Uh, I think this Michael Golden guy needs a raise. 
<laughs> Letters by nobody. Because this is a silent story. Okay. Larry Hama doing a silent issue? Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, really? This <laughs> so out of character. All righty. So our story opens with Wolverine hacking and slashing his way through an onslaught of monsters, robots, and more. And that continues for about six pages. Throughout, he suffers damage, which becomes very uh, visible and somewhat visceral. And, I mean, he kind of holds his own, but let's be honest, Wolverine kind of gets his butt handed to him in this story. And at the very end, he is blasted with flames that scorch the flesh from his adamantium bones. But then we cut to a store's discount toy display that has been wrecked with a mother scolding her son, pulling him away from all of the toys, which includes a Toy Biz X-Men Wolverine. Specifically Wolverine 2, if you're one of those collector-type people. (laughs) Wow, that's very specific. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, I had those toys, sorry. Okay. Uh, Toy Wolverine lies motionless and then suddenly... Pops his claws. And that is Zounds O Silence. So, John, Maggie, uh, what'd you think of this? I thought it was adorable. <laughs> I really liked this for a, a couple of reasons. Most notably, the fact that it was by Larry Hama. A Hama Hama? I always say Hama, but I'm sure Larry it's Hama. It, it, I, I bet he signs either way. <laughs> Larry Hama. <laughs> well, Larry Hama did probably, if not the first, the first notable silent issue in Marvel Comics, at least, which was G.I. Joe. I'm sorry. It's G.I. Joe number, which issue is that? 20? 21, I think. 21. It's the G.I. Joe silent issue. It's very famous. I thought the Nick Fury one. That was, was the, the first. Right, one. that was one way back before they that Stankowitz uh, was tried to push a completely silent one, uh-huh. but they didn't want to go with it, so they threw in the. Uh, it was an extended silent panel, but it did have oh, dialogue right. or right, sequence. Right. But but the silent issue of GI Joe had no dialogue whatsoever, and it really does show you what uh, what goes into writing a comic. Because it isn't just, he didn't just send a script, give it to Larry Golden and said, here you go, um, show Wolverine fight, and then at the end it'll be a kid drag away. He had to, like, put it out and tell a compelling story here just visually. And even though the artist is, you know, gets, does the lion's share of the things that you see, if it wasn't for Larry being able to, you know, it, to guide how the, how the story was going, it would just be an absolute mess. And he did it before in G.I. Joe, and he does it here again in this in this Wolverine story. Okay, so before we really dive further into it, I have to ask you both. Is this a holiday story? <laughs> you know, when I first, when I was starting to read it today when I was at work uh, this afternoon, um, that was my first thought was, is this a holiday story? And then I realized there is a lot of red and green, so that counts. Um, 
And then when you get to the end and it's a little kid, you know, playing with toys at a store, I mean, that, you know, that's on brand for holidays, right? But there aren't any, like, Christmas displays. That would have been cooler. The woman is wearing a coat. so <laughs> I think the red and green is probably intentional. Think so? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, as far as it being a holiday story, th- this comes across about on the level of Hallmark movies that are set at Christmas. Well, yes, this is, I mean, it, mm. it, it's toys. It's there. It's about toys, but toys, yeah. the magic of Christmas brings them. I don't know. But. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Toy Story before Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. So yeah. You can have that. That last page is so 90s. A kid's Marvel jacket, a super mm-hmm. soaker. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, oh, it's, super soaker. <laughs> it's really well drawn. So I, I got a question, though, about the specifics of this. So the Wolverine toy gets like set on fire and melted. Is that just in this kid's head, or did this kid just like torch the thing, and that's why his mom is quickly dragging him away? No, he sprayed it with the super soaker. Yeah, I would say oh. it's all in, you know, it's his imagination that he's coming up with. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, it, you know th- this is his scenario. Wolverine is taking on all the, you know, the giant babies and the dinosaur and... and the giant Gotcha. Yeah, the the face at first, that kind of amorphous face, I was like, what is that? And it's the little kid's face. Mm-hmm. That's a really neat. It's it's a uh, it's nice when the gimmick doesn't overwhelm the the whole issue, and it's the, the gimmick allows the issue as as I was getting it before. But this is a lot of fun. It's probably the most enjoyable solo Wolverine issue I've read. <laughs> I really like you know the art on it is really good. For one, I mean. This this guy has to draw a lot of robots and helicopters and tanks and mm-hmm. stuff. You know that that takes a lot of work. But well, I really, he's done some Transformers work, I know. Ooh. Okay, I can see that. But like, I really like his his way the way he draws Wolverine the the proportions and stuff. That makes any sense. You know how Wolverine's like top heavy and stuff, the the way he draws him. Yeah, and it's nice. It's like that one spot in the 90s before all art went, before the image era, before everything got that level of stylized, if you want to call it that. There's still it's it's that interesting like area between like 89 and 92. While things were still had, it was a transitionary era from the like end of the Bronze Age to whatever the age after was was called. And this, the art really exemplifies that. So, was I the only one that has always been annoyed that, um, you know, when they reissued the X Men toys, especially Wolverine, you know, they had to go extra safety. Wolverine's claws were always curved at the end, so nobody poked out an eye. Um, I never really collected the toys. The thing that annoyed me about that, though, was that it made it... Then how did he get them out of his... Yeah. Yeah. Mm She's... Which I have that problem anyway, 
with how they draw, especially since his claws apparently were real and not just knives that were added there. So I'm just asking, how does he bend his wrists? Just think about it for a while. How does he bend his wrists? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say you had a problem getting your own claws out of their sheaths and Hmm. Wasn't sure where you were going with that, but nope, just Wolverine claw problems. Okay. So what you're you're not saying that people need to put a back scratcher on your Christmas list or anything? <laughs> um, Who wouldn't love a back scratcher? That's true. It's a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> yes. I got a back scratcher as a stocking stuffer one year. Yeah, but if I say that on Clinton's show, then all of Clinton's hundreds of listeners will all send me. A back scratcher, and I only need like 12, 13 tops. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, single use back scratchers. Hey, there's another. Super wasteful. Well, that's what that was what our earlier business idea was. So, we'll write that one down with it. <laughs> Knives that you have to buy the blade separately. <laughs> single use back scratcher. It's just a regular back scratcher, but we encourage people to throw them out and buy a new one afterwards. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so without you know, coming up with the obvious answer, how does this compare to the GI Joe uh, silent issue for you, John? Um, well, the G.I. Joe silent issue, of course, was part of a narrative and actually did was, you know, a stylistic, wonderful thing to look at, but also was serving was in the middle of another story. And it served that this is just a very short thing that was thrown in. But for what it was for what it was, I, I thought it worked fine. It's obviously not going to be as good as the original, but <laughs> as as far as a eight page thing based on toys, again, you know, <laughs> Larry did a good job. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure somebody came into Larry's office and was like, "Hey, we need you to write this eight page Wolverine story, and but make it a silent issue." And he's like, "Cool." <laughs> Uh, do I get my check now or do I have to wait till after New Year's? <laughs> wow. I mean, what else can be said about this story, folks? It's I fun. gotta say, I like the, the, the background. It, it, let me start that sentence over again and make it a complete thought. So I was a little confused with what I was reading at first. First thing it was Wolverine had these fangs and I was like, well, I don't think he actually has those. I thought for a while that it was like a dream sequence kind of a thing. And like Wolverine was having some sort of nightmare. <laughs> this little kid has a very violent imagination. Um, but, and then it turned out to just be this kid playing with toys in his head and making, you know, Wolverine has to fight all these bad guys and all these things and gets blown up. Kaboom. And all that stuff. I thought it was absolutely adorable. I felt bad for him when his mom yanked him away at the end of it. Although having worked in retail, I got to say, there's nothing worse than parents who don't make their kids clean up after themselves in the store because that's what the employees are for. Yeah. They've literally said out loud. Mm-hmm. So don't be that person because that's just rude. But I thought it was really sweet that it was kind of this, you know, the background was just colors and it wasn't always very clear of what was happening. There were just these big green dudes mm-hmm. or like lots of green dudes and suddenly there's helicopters out of nowhere and you're like, what is going on? 
But then when it all comes into context and you finish the eight pages, I, I audibly went aw at the end of it. I liked it. Right. And especially of the time it was. was this Is this 92? Yeah, this is like tail end 92. And this was definitely in the era when buying the toys was part of the comics experience, if not more so, much like the cinematic universe is as much, if not more so. Buying toys were dominating. That's where the money was being made during that period. So it was. there were a lot of kids that were interacting with this universe by, as uh, Rick on Unpacking the Power Power Pack said on a show we were on, it's like kids are just mashing their toys together is the story <laughs> we're talking. That's how you talk. That's how a lot of us refer to any sort of story that's, you know, based on a toy property. It's like, Oh, they got out all their toys here or in the, like my little pony transformers comic. <laughs> that's like a brother and sister are getting their toys out and they're playing with them together. It's that aspect is so visceral to kids and so pure that have done it. And this is a, a really good version of showing what that is like as best, you know, in the only way you can, you couldn't truly show the magic that exists in a child's imagination. Cause man, the stories they come up with. Have you, have you seen a six year old kid playing <laughs> with their toys? It, man, they'll tell you you're doing it wrong. My buddy, Travis loves to tell me stories about when he was a kid and he would take his superpowers and his secret wars and his Star Wars figures and and the, he would play Crisis. That's what he calls oh, it. Yeah. You know, Crisis came out about the time that he was you know, sitting there playing <laughs> with all of them. And he's like, we just have Crisis. You know, but it wasn't just DC, it was everything. I know. Well, that that's why I was so mad that the Thundercats toys and the He Man toys didn't scale together. Yes. It's like you could have had so much more fun if Lion-O wasn't two He-Mans tall. <laughs> I know. Like you really can't. I mean, and even and then with Transformers, I, I had to get way used to um, scale differences. Transformers and G.I. Joe, you could kind of mash together, except for when you had like the little tiny like Bumblebee and such being shorter than Duke. Well, the Transformers weren't even scaled to themselves. Yeah. Because there were like nine different toy or products, mm. properties rather. Oh, fun times. <laughs> Alrighty. So do we have anything else to add on this story? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I do just want to make a quick note that this is not the only time that product placement happens in this book. Uh-huh. Because uh, in the next story after this, there's there's another Toy Biz figure. <laughs> Thus, the true meaning of Christmas <laughs> is maintained. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Good grief. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's fun times. It's definitely a uh, a time capsule for the early '90s and what Marvel was at the, that point compared to what Marvel is now. Mm -hmm. But like like you said, John, it, it just kind of shifted from toys to movies. There were trading cards in there somewhere. Ah, uh, there were trading cards everywhere. <laughs> 
Alrighty, so that about wraps this one up. John, Maggie, thank you for joining me. Uh, do let people know where they can find you. Uh, you can find us uh, on any given podcatcher that you found this one. Uh, just look for MWC Podcasts or Married with Comics or Married Watching Cartoons. Uh, those are It's all on the same feed. Um, it's either whether we're talking about cartoons or comic books or whatever else we want to. Otherwise, if you like uh, Transformers specifically, we we do the Rod Pod in which we cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. Otherwise, we're also over on the Longbox Crusade uh, feed where we do tra- Marvel. Wait, <laughs> I don't even know the name of my own show over there. Uh, Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years with Pat and Delvin. Hi, Delvin. And otherwise, you can catch us on Twitter uh, is where we are most of the time. Socially, or social network I'm at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. Also, thanks for having us on the show, Clinton. Yes. Hooray. You are both very welcome. And for those looking for Maggie, take note, there is no I in N. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe and the, the ring. I tried to fix it. I tried to delete my own, tw- my old Twitter account that had Maggie in the rain. And then I don't know what I did. <laughs> I changed the name, even though I'm pretty sure I deleted the account correctly. I had to Google it. You get old so quickly. You become obsolete because of this dang technology. I'm sorry if it's somehow my fault. I mean, I vaguely grew up with the internet. You'd think I'd have a better grasp. (laughs) All righty. So I'm going to take a quick break and come back with a second part of this anthology. You are receiving a transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.lipson.com at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. All right, welcome back, folks. I have with me the one, the only, the foremost expert on the new warriors from the Longbox Crusade Network, Delvin Williams. Delvin, What's up, man? How are you? Good, good. How's it going? Man, it is going good. I cannot complain on this lovely Monday evening here in Charlotte. <laughs> oh, well, 
Hopefully it'll still be lovely when this episode comes out, since we're, you know, a peek behind the curtain, recording a few months in advance, because editing <laughs> takes time. Yes, it does. Of course it does. And I, and I have to say, like, you, you know the saying of, like, if you look around the room and you're the smartest person in the room, then you need to change rooms? Have you heard something like that before? Yeah, but don't change rooms just yet, Delvin. No, I won't. I was just saying that to say I only come across the smart on new warriors in the group of people that I'm with. <laughs> okay, I was about to going to like point out, I, you know, I, how dumb I am. Yeah, I joined New Warriors Talk on Facebook and those folks are like very 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 knowledgeable in New Warriors. I feel like an absolute rank amateur. I follow a New Warriors feed on uh, Twitter as well, and I and that's connected to that Facebook group. But I love it. It's it's I'm I've learned a little bit more. So hopefully, I can be of some service on this podcast here on on this comic that you had us read. Oh well, I'm sure you will. So continuing through this holiday special, we come to the New Warriors in Present Tense by Fabian Nicieza. Pencils by Derek Robertson. Inks by Larry Malstead. Colors by Joe Rosas. And letters by Brad K. Joyce. So diving right into this little ditty of a story. Uh, Night Thrasher and Silhouette stop a mugging of a uh, street corner Santa, which... Oddly enough, uh, street corner Santas and robberies come into play later in the book. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, they discuss about how things, uh, during this time of year, you know, how can you rob from a street corner Santa? And Silhouette points out that if you've never actually had the want for anything, you can't uh, explain needing for anything. I mean that that's kind of deep stuff there. It was for a Christmas special, no less. Yes. Moving on, we get to see Speedball and Rage doing some Christmas shopping. Rage is very impressed with his uh, Eiffel Tower that he's picked up for his grandma. Meanwhile, um, Speedball is less than impressed because he's got a huge ton of gifts. Whereas Rage has only picked out the one. You gotta love Speedball showing off this Venom toy, though, because that was a legit toy. <clears throat> Excuse me. A legit toy that was on the stands. On the stands. On the pegs. Whatever. On the shelf. That thing. It was in stores at the time this comic came out. So, you know, a little bit of crush promotion. But Speedball tries to shame Rage for only buying one gift for his grandma. And Rage is just like, dude, this is it. Because this is all we've ever been able to afford is one gift for each other. So, haha, take that shame and eat it, Speedball. <laughs> then we shift focus over to Firestar, who is sitting there making a phone call to good old boyfriend Marvel Boy, who is... Uh, spoilers for anybody who wasn't reading New Warriors at the time. In prison for murder. 
But, you know, they get to have a nice little exchange, and we get to have a heartfelt moment if we were following New Warriors. If you're completely new to New Warriors, this really kind of falls flat. Much like the next scene with Nova visiting his rich-as-can-be girlfriend, Nova kind of realizes he doesn't really fit in with her society, and she says, screw that. I choose love. (laughs) I heard that in Mary Jane's voice. (laughs) (laughs) I choose love. I choose love, baby. (laughs) Speaking of love, though, Nova gives her a ring. It's not necessarily an engagement ring. As he says, it's real cubic zirconia. Nova's a dude on my budget. But it all plays out really nicely. And then we shift focus again to Namorita. Or do you say it Namorita? I think it's Namorita. Well, either way, she is apparently living in a fancy-as-can-be apartment. Good Lord. Wish I had that big, huge window that she has. But anyway, she flies off to New Warriors HQ, where everybody has gathered for their holiday soiree. Speedball makes it seem like he's going to give everybody gifts, which kind of embarrasses everyone, until he realizes that it's the true spirit of the season to just say, thanks for being my friend, saving my butt, and putting up with my BS. You know, that's also mixed in with their uh, supposedly not-spiked eggnog which is very punch-colored, I must say. But it does end on a eggnog. Say what? Maybe it's some red eggnog. (laughs) Red eggnog. I mean, that's not a thing, but, you know, I'm I'm not living in a comic book, so maybe it is there. Uh, That's true. But they do end on a nice little happy note with, as they say, a corny little geek saying, Happy Holidays. And the best gift that they could give or receive is family, friendship, and hope. And that's our little ditty from New Warriors. So, Delvin, what do you think of this? Well, I think you covered it all, so uh, we can just call it a night. Take it easy. <laughs> all right, good night, Okay. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say something. Well, first of all, so, I mean, this was a holiday special, a little 11-pager, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe the editors came and said, you will draw this or you're fired, uh, and you will write this or you're fired, but let, let's let's hope not. Let's, let's hope that Fabian and Derek said, you know what? This is a good idea, and we're going to come out with this little thing. Maybe it gets a little, a few few more subscribers to the book and or maybe it's just a cool thing to do because the very first thing I noticed of course on page one you got Night Thrasher or Thrash as they were taking the calling him then in that super cool pose and you look down and you see that you've got the A-team that's on there. Bagley had left the book some time ago. Derek Robertson came in and had his own inimitable style to the book. So I'm glad that for this book, even with 11 pages, that this was something that they took seriously. 
So I was happy with that. Oh yeah, and I, I like how you, you really get a, a showcase of like what Night Thrasher is really all about. Because even during holiday season, he has taken no nonsense off anybody here. Oh yeah, never. He is. He's always had those Batman undertones. Sometimes they're just straight up tones. They're not even undertones. They just, they're just his character beat. But he does ask the questions. And to ask the questions means that there is a heart somewhere under there, even though he's always out fighting crime and chasing after this or that. He at least has something in his heart and soul to stop and try and reflect on what it is that he's doing. And Silhouette played a very good part of acting as a go-to or, or his conscience. So I thought that was, the scene overall was pretty good. Oh, yeah. And for those that don't know anything about New Warriors, I got to sing praises for Silhouette. Because, I mean, even in the 90s, to have a handicapped superhero, that was pretty awesome. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I mean, not only was she handicapped, she was a minority. And there was nothing. There's a phrase that I learned from a general I worked for years ago, and it is baked in, not bolted on. <clears throat> and you might imagine what that means, but if someone's a little bit confused by it, basically, you just want. Like, whatever it is, whatever processes that you're doing, you want things that happen to be like a natural development from what you've already established. You don't want to just try and wedge something in and bolt it on where it just looks obvious and clunky. Um, and that was never the case with Silhouette. Silhouette's been around since issue two of the New Warriors, and she blended into the team seamlessly, being exactly who she was. They explained how she wound up getting a, a crippled or handicap and and she was not handicapped in that sense of, you know, someone thinking you should look down on or feel sorry for. She was very handy capable and was a awesome superhero, superhero win. Uh, and I think I think she made a pop up in I want to say Miss Marvel. I don't read Miss Marvel, but I heard that she she made some pop ups somewhere. So she's still kind of uh, lurking around. Uh, in present day, too. So it's cool that her character has made it. Um, and back then, absolutely a revolutionary thing to have a character like that in a book. Fabian was very good at that. I'm glad you brought it up here, Clinton, because I was going to bring it up in the next little story. Oh, man. Yeah. The silhouette was like one of those characters that, like, it took me a little while to warm up to Night Thrasher. Silhouette, I dug from the start because I just, I love the way they have her use her crutches as anything. Like, I mean, yeah, she uses them as crutches, you know, in order to move around, but they're not a crutch. Like, she, she owns them, not the other way around. Yeah. She has learned how to use them uh, as a weapon. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, 
I couldn't imagine someone who had to rely on crutches like that being able to be proficient at fighting. And yet she was so determined that she is able to fight. She doesn't have to just do the switching in and out of the shadow thing, which of course is her mutant power, but she also is able to just fight on her own and still hold her own despite being on crutches. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. And plus think about how much that would hurt. Like the, the panel on the second page here where she just, it really looks like she catches that dude in the freaking throat. If she doesn't catch him in the throat, she catches him right in the shoulder. And either way, if you're running full speed and someone pops out of nowhere and basically gives you a clothesline to trip over, that's going to hurt. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, since it's comics, those are probably made out of adamantium or vibranium or something. Oh, yeah. Definitely if she's using them in a fight. And, of course, um, her boyfriend, because... Uh, Thrash and Silhouette were dating at the time, I believe. Um, her boyfriend is a super, super mega, probably billionaire and can afford to give you the most high-end equipment possible. So, yeah, you better believe that there's something like adamantium or carbonadium or something like that. Mm. Okay, so moving on to Rage and Speedball. Or Elvin and Rob, we should say. See, Elvin, not Delvin, Elvin. Mm-mm. No, of all of the mix-ups from my name, Elvin has not been one of them ever. Go figure. <laughs> oh. oh, man, you can tell this is such a 90s comic, though. Like when Speedball comes running through there, yo, L, homie. <sighs> there was that, and there was... You know what? People still kind of use homie today, believe it or not. But one thing that Elvin said back to him when Speedball or Robbie was apologizing, he said, everything's Jake. And I'm Uh, like, everything's what? Yeah. Yeah, the first time I read that, I was like, wait, is he telling him that his name's not Elvin? It's really Jake? What? Right. Right. It it threw me off. I I didn't realize. I forgot that that was a... A term, but again, credit to Fabian because it's cool to throw that little bit of slang in there. It didn't come across as forced. It came across as, hey, this is probably how a 14 or 15 year old kid uh, was talking back in the 90s, mm-hmm. even though I can tell you no one from where I grew up used the word Jake like that. But yeah, me either. But yeah. I did see a lot of uh, middle-class white boys saying, yo, homie. Yeah. Oh, you'll still see it. Mm. Trust me. Speaking of 90s-isms, what is with Rage's backwards cap with the tag still on it? (sighs) You know, we've gone through an evolution with caps. Like, I grew up in an area where you got the cap and you immediately had to bend it. Mm -hmm. You know? And you and you want to keep that bend in it, so you put the hat on it, and, and you, it looks cooler. But now they rock it like flat bill, and they'll tip it to the side, or they'll tip, they'll put it just straight back. So what was the fashion now in the '90s is kind of now the fashion again because I've seen kids wear their hats like that. 
I think it's the the tag still on it is what's just sticking out in my mind. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I would, like, I remember yeah. people doing that. It was just like, how did you not get picked up for shoplifting? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I never even considered that. But yes, yeah, I don't know. I guarantee you they saw one of their fam- favorite somebody or the other doing it, and then they just did it, and it was just a thing. Mm-hmm. There's no originality anymore. Or ever, probably. Yeah. And Rage being a member kind of helps, you know, cement where we're at in New Warriors continuity. Because, I mean, Rage shows up in the mid-20s, something like that. Um, He showed up a little bit earlier than that. He showed up, I believe, in the late teens. Okay. Well, I Mm -hmm. know the thing with Marvel Boy, you know... Like, him being in prison is definitely post-25. That is correct. Yeah, I've reread that story a hundred times, probably. That was so good. Yeah, it was. We're coming up on it, of course, uh, and come out to play. And and I guess I should say, for anyone who might not know, come out to play is a... uh, Well, we, we... Send it out in, broadcast, in uh, podcast form, but we also have a do it live or uh, a live stream at eight o'clock every eight o'clock Eastern every second Tuesday of the month, where we are covering uh, the original New Warriors series. As of this recording, we're on issue seven. Uh, we just got seven um, issues or episodes in the can, uh, so we're working our way. Uh, through the early run, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Jared's uh, reaction is to all of this. Uh, Rage was a good introduction to the book. It was one of those where they tried to make him a, a, an Avenger, but he was too young, and so he needed a team to land on. And an up and coming team was the Warriors, and uh, and they did a really good job in advancing him. And that was the kind of it was a very good juxtaposition where, you know, you got the big guy and the smaller guy. So there's that part of it. And then you got the big black guy and the smaller white guy. And you've got Robbie who, yep, he's had issues with his parents, but neither one of them are hurting for money. His mom's an actress. His dad is a lawyer. So they're not hurting for money. So he can just take the, the his parents' credit card and buy all the stuff he wants. And on the other side of it, you had Elvin, who just very kind of sweetly got this gift for his grandmother. And without even thinking about it, like Robbie wasn't even trying to be a jerk. As a matter of fact, he has a big heart, you know? And was like, why aren't you buying that awesome lady more stuff? And Elvin was just like, this is all we can afford, man. And it was, it kind of put him, uh, put Speedball in the position that Night Thrasher was in. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, Night Thrasher never really knew heartache, at least not financially. So he can't even understand why someone would rob a Santa out on the street. And Robbie, he's never been poor day in his life. So he wouldn't understand why, uh, why even his friend would just be buying one very simple gift as opposed to showering his grandmother in lavish and expensive gifts. So it, it was it was a good little story. Oh, yeah, I definitely love this one. And 
I mean, like, even when I was a kid reading it, a kid, I say early teens, whatever, you know, a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, reading it off the stands and stuff, like, this part always kind of hit real hard on me. It was just like, man, he's only been able to afford one gift, and you know that that's probably, like, I don't know, 10 bucks in early 90s money, Mm -hmm. something like Mm -hmm. that. Yep, it was a trinket. And even still, it was, I mean, it, it, but it goes to show you what a big heart that Elvin had, too, mm. that he did love his grandmother who raised him. And he just wants to show appreciation to her that she wanted to go to Paris. But like the closest that she'll probably get is just showing uh, that or giving her that little uh, mini Eiffel Tower. That was cool. Oh man. Okay. Now the the thing with Firestar and Vance, that it's really touching. Like like I said, if you had been reading New Warriors, yeah. But, but yeah, if you if you came into it like this was your first New Warriors story, and this was probably one of my first because I got a lot of the like the stuff later on in back issue. So, like, I I read this, and I wanted to know why she was calling a criminal. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you now know why she was mm-hmm. calling a criminal. Um, and I like that they kept the book in current continuity. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know that this book, I saw something that's coming up where they mentioned that Neymar Rita was the leader of the team. And my memory is like, oh, I don't remember why that happened. There had to be a reason. I don't know what it was. I know it's post-25 and probably somewhere in the 30s. But I don't know why Namorita became leader. But this is kind of time marking it because, you know, it's post-25 because uh, Vance Astrovic was in jail. Vance Astrovic, by the way, was still Marvel Boy at this time. So... Um, yeah, it was a good story. And I, I like that it got, it had gotten to the point where, and Helica fully just real, like both of them fully realized that they had a relationship and a, and a good thing going with each other that she's still calling him while he's in jail, checking on him. And like, I think at this point they probably even expressed their love for each other just out and out. So this was a good little story. And of course, just like we mentioned about um, that good beat picking up Elvin's being poor and then also a silhouette being a a minority handicapped character. You have um, Vance Astrovit, then them bringing up his Jewish faith as well. So that's just another different element that has just been thrown into the book and nobody even batted an eye about it. Oh my God, he's Jewish. Well, yeah, <laughs> he is. So what? And but man, Fabian did a good job of that. Did a great job. Yeah, and and this fits nicely too with a story later on with uh, Doc Samson. So you know, there's there's definitely Hanukkah representation. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you gotta appreciate that. It's not just a quote unquote Christmas special. Yep, I agree. I don't know. It's just kind of amazing, though. Like, you know, everybody else gets 
the two-page spread, Firestar and Vance, they just, they get the one, and that's all they need. Well, I think they gave that other one to Nova, mm-hmm. or Rich Ryder, and, and Laura Dunham, if you want to move on to that. Yeah, definitely, because, yeah, you're right, they get a three-page. And what's funny about that, Clinton, is I have less to say about the three pages than I did the one. Every Everything that I have gone back and read about Laura Dunham, I was kind of like, okay, I get why I do. You know, it's it's that it's that relationship trope that you've seen in any number of shows, whether it's a sitcom, whether it's a drama, that Okay, you got the guy and a girl, and they're very obviously supposed to be together. There was chemistry from the start, and then the guy goes and gets another girlfriend. And the only reason that that girlfriend exists is to kind of show you how ridiculous it is that that dude was with anyone else but the girl that he should have been with the entire time. And that's kind of what I feel about Laura Dunham. Like, she never fit, she was rich. Rich Ryder is not like he kept having to come up with excuses for like, I parked my car around the block. Like, come on. And then, and and he couldn't even tell her about his superhero life because at the time that was a super important plot device for a lot of heroes. And Nova was one of them. The whole thing where I'm just like, okay, can we just fast forward and let him and name Rita hook up and hang out? They they played it well in the comic books. I still remember a very classic New Warriors cover where Nova and Namorita are kissing, and like they have like the corner boxes, and it has like all the other characters like rooting them on. Like finally, <laughs> about time. And yeah, this was the needed build up to that. But I look at that, I look at those three pages, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> So you're saying this is basically, you know, the 80s movie where he pines for the cheerleader and then once he wins the big basketball game, he could totally hook up with her, but he realizes the girl next door has been in love with him her whole life, so he finally goes on a date with her. Right. It's like, and that was who he should have been with. And that's the same thing with where from the early issues, Nova and Namorita were always... That flirty where Namorita's like, I am a strong, independent woman. Like, I don't need any of your crap. And Rich Ryder is, well, I'm a dumb jock, but I got a heart of gold. <laughs> and you're going to fall in love for me eventually. And she did. Uh, because he is a big, dumb jock, but he does have a heart of gold. Uh, so it was a good relationship. And, of course, they're both powerful superheroes and they're fighting on the same team, protecting each other's back. So there's always that element too. Yeah. The, those, those two as a couple made sense him and rich girl from upstate New York, not so much. Yeah. This is also kind of like one of the least holiday ish stories here. Other than it kind of makes you feel like, Oh, you know, screw class. You know, love will prevail. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I said, it it, yeah. it, it kind of doesn't jive with the rest of them. Yeah, they but had to include... I guess you include... kind of contrast it, though, with, with the one right before with Firestar and Marvel Boy. Ooh, I like that. 
I like that. Uh, I can I can definitely go along with that, where you could tell that there was true love and chemistry there. And with Nova and Laura Dunham, it was just like they wanted to try and make something work, but it just didn't because they were just two entirely different people. There may have been some sort of attraction there, but they had nothing else left in common. So it just didn't make sense. Okay, I kind of want to like rag on Rich's look. You know, the ponytail, earring, fingerless gloves. But that was totally me at 15, so I, I can't really Ooh. say anything. <laughs> Along with, you wore fingerless gloves? I still like to wear fingerless gloves, dang it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, So no, I can no, text I, while it's cold, darn it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm only laughing with you. But like, yeah, I've just never had a neat. Well, okay, that's not true. When I work out, I put on like the fingerless gloves because it protects my hands when I when I'm holding weights. Yeah, see, that's functional though. Like, you know, the, the riches is clearly fashion, and yes, you know, yes, and I'm just a ridiculous idiot. So you know, there's no saving me. What are you talking about? You, you're up there doing your workouts, too. That's why, like, a workout can break out at any moment. That's why you have the gloves on. No, the, the one thing that really throws me on Rich is his shirt. What in the world what is up with is. that shirt? No idea. None. The smiley-faced dude with one arm, like, hanging out, waving. The smiley-faced dude has a bow tie and a little hat. None. I have no idea what that is. At all. And it's not like, you know, some kind of cultural thing. It's like a little tiny top hat because they zoom in on it. Yep. I got nothing, buddy. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, like, he can't even open up that he he has Nova powers to her. He's just like, oh, you know, I parked my car around the corner. Like, dude, she ain't believing it. (laughs) But she held on to that forever, forever. Like, I mean, she just, well, he can't tell me these things. Like, I was it to almost to a point where it was just like, there's no way that any woman would have stayed around because the excuses were too bad. It was just like, I mean, because like even him just saying, I left my car parked around a corner. What? Why? Why would you not have parked in front of the house like a normal human? Mm-hmm. Or... Or just like I got dropped off at a bus, that makes a little bit more sense because he's a New Yorker. Most New Yorkers wouldn't even have cars. Yeah, exactly. I took a bus. Okay. Problem solved. Yeah. yeah. And then we switched to Namaria, who she doesn't need a bus or a car because she can fly and everybody knows it. Yeah, or really traditions. They kind of went quickly with her. They she got a she got her page, but I kind of like it to where they were just saying it just summed her up very quickly. I, and I think they kept her on that leader beat to where it was like, hey, you know, she keeps a lot of this to herself, but you know, understand that she is a a woman of two very different, distinct cultures. But really, the only culture that she cares about is her team. I'm like, okay, I can dig that. Yeah, 
you know, they say Christmas is as alien to her as whatever, I'm not even going to try to say it, festival from Atlantis is. So, yeah, for those that don't know, Namorita is half human, half Atlantean. That's the nice short version. Mm -hmm. Wikipedia has a much longer drawn out version that confuses me to no end. Well, yeah, she she definitely had a uh, a beat. Of course, this was before she made her change uh, to Chimera. Chimera, let oh, me say yeah. that. When she's and, all blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, apparently she made some change back, and she's back to Namorita, but I don't know how, because I kind of like have fallen out of following each of the warriors individually. But at least here... I, I, I've always liked Namorita Prentice because she has always been strong and capable. And uh, the last come out to play that we did for Seven, um, we had uh, Scott O'Neill on who knows a ton about the New Warriors. And he was mentioning uh, that there was a conversation earlier in the book where Namorita and Firestar were talking. Uh, and they were kind of talking about their own lives and their, their selves. And he mentioned that that passes the Bechdel test, that they were talking about each other and their own problems, and it didn't involve a man in any way. And so, once again, Fabian is keeping like those characters strong and independent and interesting, and this issue just seems to be a development of that. So that was cool. Yeah, and we get to the... Uh to the little gathering and everybody is just basically chilling out like they would with friends. So, I mean, I really dig it. I do too. And what it kind of made me like, first of all, the, the, the splash page, even though simple was good and man, back in the day, this was, this had to be a college time frame or getting to early college. But I remember I would, always order my books by the you know i would the one i wanted to read first that was what i was reading first um and new warriors was always at the top of the list because i just loved seeing Derek robertson's dynamic artwork he just has such a great style for comic books to where he draws realistic characters but they just pop off of the page like new warriors stayed with the artists like that i mean mark bagley to me is the expert of it but Derek robinson came on and he was not a bagley clone by any means he had his own style and it was so nice um and and looking at that page it just kind of reminded me of the times where I was going and getting an issue of New Warriors, and it was first in my list. I had to read it because I had to see what was going on with that book. Man, I'm telling you, this is just, like you said, that splash page is, it's, it's man, how do I want to put it? It's like a great snapshot of the time, but at the same time, it, it still holds up. God, what is this? 30 years later, almost. Oh, man. What what year did this come out? Um, like, Holiday 93, it says. So. Oh, son of a biscuit. <laughs> 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 yep, that's all. 28 years ago, my friend. Mm. 
And it and it does. That is that is a sign of you know that you made something special if decades pass and people can still point at it and look at it and and yeah, there were there was like there's a moment um they, they had a storyline in the book with um rage dating like an older woman with a kid. And that was cringe. That was just like, yeah, if Fabian had to do that one over again, he would not have wrote that in. But you know what? If you have 95% of your comic book that you can look at and you can think of any number of positive things to say about it and things that you want to read out of books to this day, and that was three decades ago or something, I think you can tip your cap and say, I, you know what, I did a pretty good job and I contributed something positive to the to the universe and to the comic book universe. So uh, I think Fabian and company have a lot to be proud of here. Even on this sim- simple Christmas special, like all of the characters, he found a way in a very short amount of time to make all of their characters and personality traits shine through. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I'll agree on that. And it definitely, you know, it, it serves the other purpose that a lot of these uh, anthologies have and makes me want to read New Warriors. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's like, man, these characters are interesting. I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily going to follow it just because, oh, you know, they're fighting Terex again or the Juggernauts in town or something. It's like, man, I want to... I want to know what happens with everybody. It's like, you know, it's like, is, is Night Thrasher going to come to terms with, you know, not you know, with people being lower class? Can Silhouette kind of like, you know, spread that knowledge to everybody else? Will Robbie, you know, continue to learn life lessons and realize he was being a putz? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that, when I'm even looking back in my 93, I was in high school. Uh, but looking back at that, I think I liked those character beats almost more than the action of the book. Cause it was just, to me, it was just so well done. It felt very real. And maybe it was cause some, some of these characters like were right around my same age and Lord knows at the time being 16 years old, you know, you thought you knew everything, didn't know anything, really still trying to figure out who the heck you were as a person and everything. And these characters went through a very similar changes where real life hit them in the face all the time. And they had to find a way to become better people and and a and keep together as a team as a result of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, I've, I've tipped my cap to Fabian and company many times at this point, but I'll tip it one more. I it was a good job. It was well, a great job. And it, it was real life in a way that didn't feel like an after school special. Mm-hmm. You know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know to make like a a period reference, it was basically like nine hundred two one zero with superheroes. It really was. It really was. There was no Peach Pit, though, so no Joe Itata. But still, I, I do agree with that analogy. <laughs> uh, so how do you think it holds up as a holiday special? I mean, it's, I'm sure the answer is obvious, but I have to ask. 
I, I think it holds up well. You know, you keep in mind, man, you buy these holiday specials and you're never expecting much. So if I pick up or get sent a holiday special since I have I've gone to some comic book stores, but my pull list has come from Durham, North Carolina to me for like 10 plus years at this point. Um, but if I get a holiday special, I'm expecting some creator that's not a part of the main book. I'm expecting it to be written by some creator that's not really doing it. And I'm just thinking it's going to be some filler storyline. And this one, at least it was filler, but it didn't, it kept in the flow of the book and seeing the original uh, creators of Nicieza and Malstead and Derek Robertson, that that would make that would pique my interest immediately. Like, hey, this is the this is the core team, and they found time to do this too. So that's really cool. This makes me want to read it now. So it's up there. You didn't give me a rating to to do, so I won't give a rating on it. But I will say it was a very very good effort by the team. I enjoyed it. I mean, you're you're free to give a rating if you want. Which- we usually just do the yay or nay here, but you know that then that's rating enough, Clinton. I, <laughs> I will not come onto this show with Long Box Crusade. Well, not all of the shenanigans. <laughs> Most of the shenanigans I'll come with, but not all of them. How about that? So basically, you're saying you would totally uh, raise your glass of uh, red-ish eggnog. <laughs> and and give it about nine candy canes or so. <laughs> oh, for those who don't know, candy canes uh, get distributed over on the Longbucks Crusade Network during Crusademus, which uh, is probably going to be happening right about the same time that this episode drops, or nice. shortly thereafter. Nice. Good read, though. Very good read, and uh good holiday special. I would hope that other holiday specials uh, followed the same thing about having that uh, all-star or their main creative team come in and just do a few pages and panels real quick. It really does send a great positive message to the fans of whatever book. Man, that pretty much sums it up, folks. So before you book it on out of here, Delvin, let everybody know where they can find you and what kind of shows you do. Yeah, absolutely. But first, I just want to say thank you, Clinton. Thank you for having me on the show. Always a good time talking to you and always a good time talking New Warriors 2. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. That is me individually. If you want to come along with my merry crew of ragamuffins uh, on the Longbox Crusade, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Longbox Crusade, but on um, our podcast, uh, the Longbox Crusade Network, which I'm on a lot of different shows on there. I'm on the Longbox Crusade, which we cover a random month and year of a comic book um, and talk about stuff that happened during the time. Uh, we have Crusaders Chronicles, where we cover a Silver Age Amazing Spider-Man comic book and then another comic book from that corresponding uh, date and month. Uh, I'm on Transformers Chronicles that I host. We're covering the Marvel Comics Transformers comic books. Uh, we have a lot of other ones too. I mean, Saturday Matinee Theater, Vintage Stuff, 
We got Fan Film Fridays. We talk about fan films hosted by Clinton. Uh, we got all sorts of stuff there. And the main thing that we hope that we have is some fun and enjoyment. And we just hope that you can listen to any one of the shows and you can just sit there and have fun listening to it and, and maybe forget about everything else that's going on in the world for a while. <laughs> oh, man. that God, why can't every show be like that? Why can't this show be like that? Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, this show's fine, Clinton. <laughs> well, Delvin, thank you. I do really appreciate you joining me. You are welcome anytime. I hope you know. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. You know, if if you want to like reiterate all your new warriors talk again, we can like cover every issue over here too. Just say, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, like I have, <laughs> I, I've created a monster in a good way. Like I had the thought a few months ago, it's like, man, you know, maybe we should talk new warriors. And the big bugaboo that I had on the Clinton was. I didn't want to do the editing. I didn't want to, like, you know, go into audacity and do all that stuff. And so I said, you know what? I'll do a live stream. Like, I absolutely will do that. And I was like, I think our feed needs more content anyway. And so, like, all of a sudden, well, I mean, even I, I did, I talked New Warriors one time before that on um, with Ryan Daly and uh, David Gallagher. But, like, all of a sudden, you know, it's got a pretty decent groundswell and people like it and it seems to be doing positive, positive stuff. And again, short of like, oh, my God, I'm going to become famous on this. I don't give a shit. I do care that uh, there are people who have latched on to a property that they loved and they're happy that someone else is talking about it. And. We've had people like, I mean, I had someone reach out on Long Boss Crusade feed and it's just like, man, I'm like, I'm just a dude about your age. I just love like hearing about comic books. Is there any way I could be on the show? Why not? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Why the heck not? That's, that's, that's what it's for. Yeah, that's that what that it's is exactly about. what it's for. It, it is. That is exactly what this is about. Um, so we all need that in this world right now, man. Not right now, forever. We will always need... You know, if the Internet has been good for one thing, it has been you can find other people that love the same things that you love. And that is good. That is great, actually. And that's what, you know, all this whole podcasting thing has been about. And that's what this New Warriors thing has been about, too. And and it's it's been a net positive in my life. And so I, I would hope that has been a positive in someone else's too. Oh man, absolutely, that is awesome. So I think we're going to pretty much wrap it up here, Delvin. Thank you again, and everybody else, stick around for some lovely uh, promos. And I don't know what'll come after, but we'll see. All right, our bags are packed, and we got the snacks. It's time for the Longbox Crusade road trip to the Longbox Mobile crew. Shotgun! Dang it! Everyone buckled up, here we go! Well, now that the garage is empty, Gene will have more space to record episodes of LBC Irregulars, the indexing of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. Oh no! Did anyone remember to leave Clinton some food down in the basement? He's gonna need it as he makes more episodes of Fan Film Fridays, his ongoing look at online fan films. 
Why are you speaking in such a scripted manner, Dark Web? Anyway, you can relax. I asked Rick, or was it Jeff? Who can remember? I asked the attic guy to come down from time to time to check in on Clinton. You know, take some breaks from recording Monday Movie Muck about his movie review show. Weasel Skull, did you give Rick the key to the basement? Key. Sounds like LBC headquarters is in good hands, Death Probe. Right you are, Christados. Oh, Pat, can we stop off at KB Toy Store? I'm going to pick up some Transformers and G.I. Joes. They remind me of Transformers Chronicles and G.I. Joe Chronicles. Our show is going through the Marvel run of Transformers comics and the Devil's Do run of Joe comics. Well, while you guys are doing that, we can also stop by a Blockbuster video and get some tapes to watch for action film face-off. That's the show where we discuss two action films and have them duke it out to see which one is the episode champion. Is that VHS or beta? Yeah, either one is fine. We've got a lot of stops to make, but if we can, let's squeeze in the Walden books and score some comics for us to talk about on Crusader Chronicles, the show where we move chronologically through the Amazing Spider-Man comics and include a bonus issue from the same release date as the Spidey recovery. I will definitely keep an eye out for our Walden books. It'll come in handy for the Pure Lombok Crusade episodes, our time capsule show where we take a deep dive into a randomly selected comic and talk about news, music, and movies and ads that were popular when the books were released. I'll also be on the lookout for our electronic boutique, EB, if you guys don't know the lingo back then, so we can get some more comic-related video games for us to discuss on Comics to Council Crusade. Good thinking. If time permits, let's hit Circuit City. I need more positrons for our pop culture positcast show, the one where we find all the good stuff in pop culture that others seem to poo-poo. Positrons? Shut up and go with it. These old-timey, out-of-business store jokes doing anything for you folks? Well, if you like old-timey stuff, we also offer Saturday Matinee Theater, our look back at old TV shows, serials, and films that have kind of been forgotten. I think that about covers it. We definitely want to be your road trip crew, folks. Whether it's your commute to work or a road trip of your own, why not pass the time with us, your friends at the Long Box Crusade? Once again, that's Long Box Crusade, available on all your finer podcatchers. Good job, team. I'm getting hungry. Pat, stop at the next Kenny Rogers Roasters that you see. Or Pentagons. Burger Chef! Hey, it's Clinton with a quick uh, follow-up to everything that you just listened to. Thank you so much for sticking with us through this way longer episode than normal. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so, so much to John, Maggie, and Delvin for joining me on this. I really appreciate it, you three. It was wonderful talking to all of you. I hope everybody had fun conversation, listening, all that all that kind of stuff. Words are not my uh, friend right now. So uh, There's still three more installments of this coming up. We're going to have pretty much every Wednesday until leading up right to Christmas, folks. So just stick with us. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this is the place where the coffee is never too cold and the comics are never too old, and I keep doing it backwards, but that's all right. You know the drill. Thank you. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. 